The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the Jill Valentine and Carlos Oliveira of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on the Scope Adventure, the guy who would never be infected by his nemesis. Josh, how are you doing this evening? Oh, I am good. I'm tired. But I'm good. And yeah, you were just uh, traveling. I, yeah, I, I got home not too long ago. <laughs> <laughs> and here you are. Look at your dedication, your commitment. Yes. My stupidity. My <laughs> blind ignorance to <laughs> common things. I don't know. I, I'm tired. I'm going to sound foolish tonight. <laughs> well, hey, you know what? We're really appreciative that you're here. Uh, to start with, so, you know, the next few weeks are going to be a little bit of different shows. So we're not mm. going to typically do like a new segment. We're not going to do a what we've been playing segment. But I do want to ask you really briefly, uh, Resident Evil 3 remake pretty much seems a 100% guarantee. Sounds like actually by the time you're listening to this podcast, you will have very recently gotten the reveal of this game. Uh, assuming it's going to be at PlayStation State of Play. Uh, what are your thoughts? Are you excited about a Resident Evil 3 remake done in the vein of the Resident Evil 2 remake? I mean, yeah, I'm excited to see how, like, what they do with it and, and how well-polished it comes out. Like, if mm-hmm. it, I'm assuming it's the same formula, so I'm, I'm not, I won't be surprised if it's just as good as 2 remake. But, um, yeah, I'm curious to see uh, if we get that announcement like everyone thinks and, and when it's coming out, etc. Yeah. Apparently the game, according to insiders, the game has been in development for almost two and a half years already. Yeah, so they must they must have like this fleet of Resident Evil remakes ready to go because they must yeah. be working on other ones as well. Yeah, because apparently they were so happy with the progress of two, presumably, that they just greenlit three before they ever released two because they felt so good about it. So that's that's pretty exciting. What did you think of the art of Nemesis? Are you cool with Nemesis's big fancy teeth and his cute little button nose? I didn't see it actually. Oh really? You haven't no. seen the art at all? No, I haven't. I've been away from um, any type of news for the past four days, so I have missed pretty much all of the announcements. Okay, well, more like leaks at this point. More than leaks. I'll have but... to look it up. I'll see. What... I'll have to look it up. Yeah, you should look it up. Cause... I three. Remake, and I'll just look at images, right? Yeah, should be. Because uh, I was going to ask what you thought of Nemesis's look and the new character model for uh, Jill. Oh. <laughs> uh, Are you not a fan? Is that what that means? I mean, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a change. It's a different art direction. Yeah. Uh, I don't like the artwork for Jill. Really? I actually really like Jill. Do you? 
Yeah, I think she looks cool. I just don't think she. I mean, the artwork is fine. It looks like a good. It, it's good artwork, but it doesn't yeah. look like Jill Valentine to me. Well, it's you know reimagining, if you would. Sure, sure, sure. Just, but not like Re Two was not like Re Two was. The character models were just nicer looking. Yeah, they kept that one pretty similar. For yeah, sure. yeah, um, yeah. Nemesis is certainly something. <laughs> It looks like he could be doing a toothpaste ad. Yeah. Well, he he has nice clean teeth. <laughs> he does. They are very clean. He reminds me of a Bionic Commando villain. Oh, yeah. I could see that. For some reason. The remake, yeah. not the original. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we're not going to talk about any other news. That was just mm. kind of one of the bigger things. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. So we're just going to jump in, get to our, our show a rolling. Mm. Thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all of the awesome stuff, which there is a ton from this last weekend over on Instagram, also Board with VG. We are a proud part of Play Some Video Games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We're absolutely thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share what we do with someone else who you think might enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that is right for you. So enough of the housekeeping. Like I said, this is going to be a little bit of a different show for the next few weeks. But I would be remiss, Josh, if we didn't do a topic of the show this week. Because even though we are going to talk about our favorite games from 2019, you, sir, were just at PAX Unplugged. I was. And I would love to hear all about it. So tell (laughs) us about your PAX Unplugged adventures, sir. Oh, well, <clears throat> sorry, I'm still working off Pax Box Plague that is already starting in. <clears throat> um, what do I say? Well, so our Thursday was a little different. Usually, when we get there early, like we have our we we were last year, we played games with a bunch of developers and stuff, and and it was really fun. But they weren't doing that event this year, uh, so we walked around Philly. Uh, at night, we went to a, a local game shop that was doing an event, but it was so small that uh, the, the the building was so small that by the time we got there, uh, every table was full and, and even standing room around was full. So we bought a game and we left with the intention of playing that game when we got back to the to the um, hotel. But we ate, we got some food and by the time we got back, it was just time to pack it in. However... When we got there, we did go to Thirsty Dice, which is the first board game cafe in Philly. There are now two. Uh, we should have went to Queen and Rook because it looked really cool. Uh, we did not go, but we got the Thirsty Dice. Uh, it was empty, which was a surprise, but mm-hmm. that was nice because we just kind of sat and relaxed because we just drove, you know, five hours to get there, and and they were our f- first stop, so. Uh, you know, we got some food. We played uh, Azul Summer Pavilion, Pavilion, mm-hmm. um, which was which was a fun game. Uh, definitely, uh, uh, a, if you're if you played Azul, you know the basics, but it definitely changes it up a little enough to make it interesting. And it's mm-hmm. sorry, it's very nice to look at. Um, so we played that, and then you know, uh, our Thursday was short. 
and long at the same time. We didn't really do too much. Um, Friday is usually the chill day at PAX. Like, <clears throat> it's not very busy. Uh, you can kind of walk around and and just leisurely check things out. Um, that was not the case this year. Friday was as busy as Saturday. It was ins- oh wow! It was insane. Um, I was not expecting that, and that's and that's a problem. Like when you're expecting a quiet, chill day, and you don't get that, that's a big change. Right. Um, the exhibition hall was considerably larger than last year. Um, many more vendors, more things to see, uh, more games to play, um, more games to buy. <laughs> you th- assume that's because it wasn't the same weekend as BGGCon? Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. They also, I mean, everything has expanded from last year. So mm-hmm. they, they're just getting bigger, you know, and um, this is a growing convention. Just right. like I imagine at like a PAX East or a South you know, the first years are small and they get bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, they didn't sell out of three-day badges until Thursday. Oh, okay. So it did show that there was still more interest. People were kind of waiting, I guess. I don't know why. Um, but we did run into a lot of local locals. So people okay. locally were maybe just waiting till last minute. Uh, I also did notice people who's like – they. I don't know how many three-day badges they sell – Probably not as many because it's cheaper to buy the three-day. But people make comments if you have a three-day badge. Like, they notice you. Like, oh, you're here for three full days. Like, So that means to me that not a lot of three-day badges are walking around. Right. And then it's like individual days. Um, because it is a big commitment, especially for locals. Like, they don't want to be there for three days. Right. Um, but like people from Texas, maybe they, you, you know, maybe you want to be there for the three days if you're making that trek. For sure. So real quick, what was – I know we talked about this a little bit last year. What was security Mm -hmm. like? What was it like getting into the venue? Did things go smoothly? How was all that? So like leading up to this, there was a lot of anxiety from uh, online groups, PAX Unplugged Mm -hmm. groups, um, whether it was Twitter or Facebook. Uh, People were just complaining. I don't understand the complaints. Again, last year we had them. People don't want security checking people. That boggles my mind. Right. the big drama this year was they were only having one entrance. Mm. And last year there was like three. Uh, so people were complaining and complaining. So PAX was like, okay, we hear you. We'll have another entrance open. And then they announced like a month later, well, it only opens at 11. And it's only for re-entry. <laughs> so you okay. have to enter through like the main. So they're like, okay. So people still were mad and complaining. And then on Saturday, because it was cold... They decided they would open another entrance. <clears throat> what what does cold mean in Philadelphia terms? <clears throat> Thirty nine. Okay, so it was fine. It's anyway. fine. It was fine. I was not wearing <laughs> okay. a jacket. Uh, but here's the thing. So we went Friday at eight a.m. Doors open at eight, um, but the the hall doesn't open till ten, and, and nothing opens till ten. But you can go line up for panels, like the story time thing. You can wait. Uh, so we got there at eight, assuming there'd be a long line outside the door. Uh, we walked right in the front door. Uh, there were. 16 metal detectors on and going people checking bags just like if you went to a sporting event or right uh disneyland like it was very streamlined um you know they weren't taking any anything from people so they're like get your bags open i'm not gonna ask you again get them open if you think if it's empty i still want to check it open all your bags if you have anything metal put it in this thing 
Like, it was very smooth. They did a great job. Still, there are people online finding ways to complain about these things. I don't get it. <laughs> but Saturday was no different. We walked right in. Sunday, we walked right in. It was it was great. They did a great job. Um, no complaints from me for security. I felt very secure and safe, and uh, I didn't have to stand outside in line for 40 minutes. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Friday was a day. So this is what I will say about our entire experience. We played a lot less games than I expected to. Mm-hmm. Um, both of us, my wife and I agree, like we played a lot less games. And I think it's because there was more to walk around and look at. Mm-hmm. So we spent a lot of our days, uh, even if we didn't play games, we talked to people about games uh, while other people were playing them. So we did still learn about games, but we didn't play as many as, as usual. I mean, we still, I mean, we played one, two, three, four, five, six, eight. We played eight games in three, in two and a half days. Uh, okay. Um, and everything else was, I mean, this year I, I actually went to a panel and we didn't go to any last year. Um, so that was different. Um, and most of the time we spent either getting food, uh, you know, eating or walking around and, and taking it all in. There was a lot to see. Um, and we, we met a lot of nice people, so we talked to a lot of people. Um, but all in all, it was great. Uh, the Frost Haven panel was, was awesome. Mm-hmm. Lots of new information for Gloomhaven, which is very cool. Uh, you know, I get to meet Isaac and looks like he'll, he'll, he'll be happy to join us on a show in the future, which is nice to hear, especially with all he has going on. Uh, so that'll be fun to figure out time zone stuff. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Well, he's West Coast. <laughs> oh, is he West Coast now? I thought he was... Uh, why did I think he was in the Europe? No, I think he's in Seattle. Oh, is it? Well, that's cake then. Never mind. Yeah, I think he's Seattle. Um, but yeah, we definitely, I definitely ran into other people who are in Europe, like the, the Rebellion mm-hmm. um, Unplugged. They're yep. Europe, but they're, hap- they're, they're like, we'll come on and we have a full studio. So when you do a Skype call, you're going to get the best quality and the best picture and sound quality. And I was like, great. <laughs> um, You'll get average from us. Thank you. Yeah. We'll do the normal. <laughs> uh, it was very cool. We got to meet the, um, the founder and game designer, uh, the founder of chip theory games and the, one of the designers of cloud spire. Oh, cool. uh, and we didn't know that that's who it was when we were talking to him. Um, we got to meet a lot of nice, cool, influential, and just interesting people. So all in all, I had a great time. Okay, so I have some questions for you. Yeah. Number one, did you eat a cheesesteak? Of course. How was it? It's good. I get one every time we go. It's They're always good. You only get one? Yeah, I mean, I like to try a bunch of different food. Like, how cheesesteak satisf- satisfies my... I need to have a cheesesteak while I'm in Philly. Okay. So then what was the best food you ate while you were there? Uh, um, the best food that I ate – well, we ate at a – we were in Chinatown and we found a sushi restaurant. <laughs> Imagine that. Uh, there was only one because uh, sushi is Japanese. Uh, so it was hard to find uh, in Chinatown. Um, I had I had uh, a very good um, um, steak teriyaki there, uh, and and surprisingly delicious uh, stra- strawberry smoothie with oh, okay. it, which was weird. Um, 
And then we tried Korean bar- uh, barbecue for the first time. And yeah. we had no idea what we were doing. Yeah, that can happen. And uh, it just... I don't know what the heck they brought out, like, I'm assuming. I don't know. They brought out, like, five starter little mini plates, and we didn't know what to do with those. We didn't know half of the things on the menu or all of the things on the menu. Um, so we attempted to eat there. Uh, gotcha. That was okay. But okay. <laughs> uh, we were being adventurous. No, that's great. It would be nice if places in general, if there was some sort of cheat sheet. Yeah. About eating food. Uh, hi, I'm an ignorant American. Please walk me right. through your menu. <laughs> kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's one of those things. But even if you're not, even if you're an ignorant American, even if you are eating cuisine local to different parts of the country, sometimes it can be a little confusing about exactly how you're supposed to do it. Yeah. And like, and why they do certain things still, you know? For instance, why does anyone leave shrimp tails on anymore? Unless you're eating a shrimp cocktail, what is the point? Yeah. There's no point to it. There really isn't. That's I, true. And, Anyway, that's neither here nor there. So food was good, yes. Food is great always, yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, Cloudspire. Tell me about Cloudspire. <laughs> Cloudspire was our big purchase for <laughs> the event. Um, so, so for the listeners, um, we kind of passed it a few times. We didn't really pay much attention to it. Uh, it's a very um, imposing booth. You know, too many mm-hmm. bones and Cloudspire. Both games that if you want everything, you're spending well over $200, $300, depending on the games. So we watched a um, like a demonstration of Cloudspire uh, first. So Cloudspire is a tower defense uh, game. Uh, chip theory games, their, their deal is most of their components are poker chip style. Um, high quality components. And... Uh, Cloudspire also uses uh, neoprene mats for pretty much everything. In fact, you put poker chips into the neoprene mat and you turn them in the mat for your health counter. Oh, wow. And there's okay. even little pre-cut holes and you move up little pips to to show your levels, kind of like um, um, uh, cribbage pips. Like you move them up mm-hmm. in the little thing and, and um, the terrain is all neoprene and you even lay neoprene hexes on top of other neoprene mats and your towers are poker chips that build your tower up and uh it's it, it was, sounds very inexpensive yeah yeah <laughs> and um the, it's interesting because it caught my attention the guy was saying like you can play cooperative you can play competitive you can play solo and then you can play a campaign so it was very interesting to her that there are so many different ways to play so we were like toying around with the idea we're like, we know we'll make a big purchase on Sunday. We don't know what yet. We also looked at Dungeonology by Ares Games. Um, and then I looked up the weight, which was a four on Board Game Geek. And I talked to the Discord about it a little bit on Saturday. And I thought we would pass because I didn't want to scare her away from board games forever. <laughs> um, but she also wants to learn Terror Mystica. So we have to we have to tackle heavyweight games. So we went back this morning. To find out more about it, and we we inadvertently had the the co-founder of the company walk up to us and talk to us, and I told them my worry. I said, can you tell us more about Cloudspire? I'm worried that this might be too heavy for my wife and me, to be honest, but I'm more concerned about the, my wife's enjoyment of 
the time we have to play board games. Right. Um, so he he said, you know, have you have you checked out board game geek? I said, yeah. He's like, yeah, it's it's a four. I said, yeah, and I know, and that's what I was worried about. You know, and he kind of talked to us a little bit about it. Um, and then he also said, like, this might have been the selling point. And I, I'm not one to resell games. I, I don't typically go to the second market, like secondary market. But mm-hmm. he said, uh, this game that you're getting, it's the Kickstarter version. This is the only version of the game we make. It is always the same price. We don't drop our games in prices. They never change. This is this price today. It'll be this price next year. It, on Black Friday, it was this price because we pride ourselves on quality components. In fact, when we bought it, the guy was like, okay, I have these extra um, holders because the ones that came in it we found to be subpar, so you substitute them with these. And mm-hmm. then we have these rule books that aren't in there that you need to put in where the styrofoam is. And, um, you know, and he was like, if you don't enjoy this, you'll be able to get almost the same amount of money that you pay for it if you decide you want to resell it. He's like, not, he's like, and that's up to you what you want to do and shipping and all that. But he's like, I hope that you enjoy it. Um, and then he gave us like some tips on how to enjoy the weight of it. Like he said, when you, when you set it up, don't expect to just sit down and play it, set it up. And then he's like, try building one tower and see how that goes. And then take your time and then leave it set up so you can come back to it. And if you want to play a game, you know, do that. So he kind of gave us like some tips on maybe tackling some like heavier weighted games, mm-hmm. which I think can go to for any game. But um, but yeah, so we bought a 13 pound box of game. <laughs> so did you get because there are expansions for it? As yeah, well there's already, two right? expansions, I think. And isn't there or I'm more because isn't there like a miniatures? One, I think two. one of them is in the miniature is a miniatures one. Okay, to get the whole thing, there was like a well, a well over hundred dollars more than what we spent to get all of it. Right, and maybe, man, maybe it is three and one just finished on Kickstarter or is just fulfilling from Kickstarter right now. I can't remember. They had a bunch of boxes um, with the expansions. I I just didn't get a count of of gotcha. how many there were. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, so Cloud Spire, one of the cooler games you saw then? It was definitely the coolest game we saw. Okay, that includes Return to Dark Tower? Yeah, uh, only because we only, we it was very crowded. So we, mm-hmm. we only got, we got to see what it looks like. We right. didn't really get to experience the gameplay. So uh, it definitely looked cool, but we didn't get to see it necessarily functioning and doing what it does. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's a lot of I think what happened was every time we got to where it was, um, they were doing like rule explanations. So we didn't see too much. Um, and Rob, Rob Davio definitely didn't remember me, which was very funny. It made for an awkward uh, introduction because I'm like, I see, hey, Rob. He's like, hey. I was like, hey, Josh from Board of Video Games. He's like, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Awesome. <laughs> but. Yeah, and, well, and definitely um, Jurassic Park uh, Unrivaled was another very unmatched, not unrivaled, unmatched. Sorry, uh, was oh, I was very cool looking, but that just plays towards my aesthetic of Mondo, right? <laughs> that I for enjoy. sure. All right, anything else about Pax Unplugged you'd like to share with us? Uh, I mean, there's so much that I could talk about, but we get we have other fish to fry, if you will. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, Frosthaven really, um, it sounds to be, it's going to be more difficult, but it sounds to be, um, impressive what they're doing. They're adding town building aspect to it. You have to rebuild the town that has been like destroyed, but you also have to defend it. So you have to build up mm-hmm. defenses, which is very cool. It adds like, uh, town building and defending strategy oh very cool um and there's a night and day system where things are really bad at night (laughs) oh excellent yeah yeah is frosthaven an expansion to gloomhaven is it completely standalone separate is it same like rule set but done in a different universe what is frosthaven compared to gloomhaven same universe mostly the same mechanisms uh completely separate game uh however however he did say that there that you probably and most likely can bring characters into the other games like you can bring frosthaven characters into gloomhaven if you wanted to which is pretty cool you're getting 16 new characters in frosthaven Dang, okay. Yeah, and about 100 scenarios. And coming to Kickstarter in March? March 2020, delivered uh, by 2021, early, like, January 2021. Dang. Did he say anything about what they're expecting for price or anything? No one no one asked him about that, which I thought was really? interesting. They did a pretty long Q&A, um, and no one asked about the price, which was interesting. That is interesting. I assume it'll probably be the same as Gloomhaven or similar, right? Yeah, one one to one thirty. I bet they're they, they're um, uh, um, stepping up their managers game though, so it might be more because they're really putting a lot more detail into the character managers. Do you think you would get? Are you planning to back Frosthaven? Yeah. Even though, do you think you'll finish Gloomhaven by the time you get Frosthaven? Well, I mean, we got a year, so I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> uh I, I don't know um but i plan on getting it even if we don't play it uh for when we're done okay well on the plus side josh you now can focus a little bit on gloomhaven because mm-hmm. you played eight games while you were there that you can talk about at any point on the podcast if you want to as games you've played that's a very good point <laughs> well we have now a gloomhaven just game play gloomhaven. next week actually so there you go now you can just play gloomhaven so Awesome. All right. Well, we'll move on. I'm sure you'll probably share much more about PAX Unplugged in the coming weeks as things seem reasonable or make sense to talk about. Oh, I should say I did book my hotel for next year already. Did they announce when the dates are? They did today. Oh, really? Which is insane. They usually wait four months to announce the dates. The week before Thanksgiving. The week before? November 20th, 22nd, 2020. (laughs) I wonder why it moves so much. Uh, I think it goes based around what's going on in Philly and other cons. I wonder if BGG will be that same time. But this is good because it'll be before Black Friday, which means I don't have to worry about any of that nonsense. (laughs) Everyone's getting board games. (laughs) Or no one's getting anything because you bought board games. Yeah, that's more like it. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well. As I said, our topic of the show tonight, or not our topic of the show, but our focus of the show tonight is going to be talking about our games of the year for 2019. I I do want to point out that when we talk about this, these are our favorite games we played this year. I think it's hard to quantify sometimes what is quote unquote the best. These are just the games that we had the most fun with, we enjoyed the most, and uh, that we had a a good time playing and would quantify them as being favorites of ours. You know what that means, Josh? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, I was no. say, okay. <laughs> well, what that means, Josh, is that 
It's okay if people disagree with us or oh. people have other games that are their favorites. That's totally cool because these are just our favorites. We're not saying they're better. They're just the games we enjoyed. That's true. Uh, and I don't care if people don't. I, I will say this. <laughs> I will say this. I know we're not saying that what we pick is better than any other games. Mm-hmm. Every game on my video game list is better than Breath of the Wild. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm kidding. But kind of. Are you kidding? <laughs> Okay, well, we're going to start with board games, uh, so <laughs> we're going to start there. So we'll talk about some of the favorite board games we have played. Now, uh, a disclaimer when it comes to board games that is a true, typical disclaimer for us is that, unlike video games, not all of these board games necessarily came out in 2019, but we played them for the first time in 2019. Now, most of them probably came out either this year or potentially 2018. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's just what the thing with board games is sometimes they get released in other countries as their quote-unquote release here. Sometimes they're Kickstarters that come out one year, and if you miss the Kickstarter, you can't get them for another year. So it's not as concrete as the video game list. So these are just the favorite games that we played. I think all of mine came out this year or last year. I think there might be one exception to that. Um, but these are just the things that we played this year and we really enjoyed. Before we get into that, Josh... Mm. Thinking about 2019, the year in board games, compared to 2018, the year in board games, mm-hmm. or just in general, how would you say this year was? Do you think it was a good year for board games, a down year for board games? What are your thoughts in general on the year in board games? Yeah, I think it was a great year for board games. Um, the only downside to this year, I think, is probably a similar downside to last year, uh, volume of games. Um I know that sounds weird for it to be a downside, but um, there's just so much, and it's kind of right. it's kind of it. It reminds me of what um, movies are like now. How you know when I was a kid, a movie would be in theaters for three months, and now it's in theaters for three weeks, maybe mm-hmm. um, because there's just so much volume being pumped out. Uh, and I feel like it's the same for board games right now. Uh, you can't just talk about playing Wingspan for seven months because people are like, well, what else are you playing? Right. And and that's kind of a – it's like a double-edged sword. It's great that you have the ability to play more games, but it's also a bummer that it forces some of your favorites off the table sooner than maybe it would have if there was less games coming out. Right. No, I understand that for sure. So I think another thing that's always really interesting about board games is, you know, and I think this also kind of shows how long it takes for board games to really uh, work their way through the people who play them and really get to the point where enough people have played them. There's some saturation. There's knowledge about them. If I were to ask you, Josh, how many games released in 2018, so last year, games released last year, how many would you guess are in the top 200 on Board Game Geek? Oh, boy. 10. 16. Okay. So 16, 16 games for 2018 are in the top 200. How many games released in 2019 do you think are in the top 200? Oh, well, I th- I'm going to guess based on the questioning, it's less. Uh, but... Let's say 20. Two. Two? Okay, that's crazy. So now the question for you, and and I think this is where the interesting question comes in, right? Is that because this year was so much, quote unquote, worse or not as good? 
or is it because it takes that long for enough people to play board games mm. for them to adjust in the BGG list? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that I think the latter is probably more accurate because just like how we had to change how we did our top ten board games is because it's because it's games we played also last year, the last year's right. games. Um, so yeah, I think with that whole thing of the the quantity of games to play, it does take longer to get. Um, and I mean, shelf of shame is a very popular phrase for a reason. And right. Board gaming is very much a collectible hobby, so you don't always get to these games as quickly as maybe a video game because you can play video games solo. Right. I mean, just for an example, from 2018, the games in the top 200, Brass, Birmingham, Root, Nemesis, Rising Sun, Teotihuacan, Architects of the West Kingdom, Everdell, Underwater City, Chronicles of Crime, The Quacks of Quedlinburg, Decrypto, Endeavor, Welcome to, That's Pretty Clever, Detective, A Modern Cry Board Game, and Coimbra, right? And then you still have four more games that if you want to that are in the top 300 with Lord of Hellas, Just One, Keyforge, and Azul Stained Glass of Sintra. Hmm. From this year, Wingspan, Lord of the Rings Journeys in the Middle Earth are both in the top 200, and then Tapestries in the top 300. Wow. But that's it. It's funny because we bought a game that was on the 2018 list this weekend. <laughs> Did you buy Quacks of Clendenberg? Yeah. I feel like I saw it. Yeah. yeah. So that's just always one of the things that's so odd to me. Because if you go back to 2017, then the number of games in the top 200 is also huge. It's very, very big. So I do wonder, you know, a year from now, what this list will look like as far as how many games from 2019 are in the top 200 or was 2019 just that much of a weaker year in games? Because if you think of games like uh, Res Arcana, Tiny Towns, Paladins of the West Kingdom, Star Wars Outer Rim, uh, Horrified even, like these games are, Horrified's ranked 651, you know? Um, Black Angels, 833. Uh, Century of New Worlds, over 1,000, you know? So yeah. it, it's always interesting to me when you hear about games that folks loved in that year, how that shakes out when you look at stats and all that good stuff. So... Uh, anything else about the year in board games you want to say before we start talking about our favorites? Just another great year, I think. Um, I think we're just on this, we're on this like track now where it's not going to change for a while, which is good. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, how many games did you have on your list? I put 10 on each list. Okay. So for board games, I have nine. Well, the reason one of mine might not be able to be on it. Okay. And that's fine. And it's cool that you have 10. Like, I think just go through 10. Uh, I, I realized in, in putting this list together and I went back through our show notes and like looked back at all of our old episodes. I talked a lot more about games I didn't like this year than I talked <laughs> about games I liked. So I struggled in getting a list of 10 together, but that's okay. So we'll have you do 10 and then we'll do nine together. How does that sound? Sure. That sounds good. Did you order them least favorite to most favorite or I, how did you order them? I didn't. Uh, I didn't know if you wanted me to do like my favorite. I just kind of, I just kind of searched my memories for the years on both of the topics so i could be totally missing um like you might say a game that i'm like oh i wish i put that on there like my list mm-hmm. is based on how much i enjoyed it and how much how much i remember it so there's right. definitely games i could i there's so many games for sure um that i've played this year that um for both categories that i definitely most likely missed some in both categories I hear you. Okay. Well, hey, what would you, if I had to say, what's your number 10 game? What would you say is your number 10? Okay. If I had to pick a number 10 board game, I would probably pick, 
Okay, so this game is on my list because I enjoyed it, but my wife really wanted me to put this on the list. So I'll put it at number 10. And that's Harry Potter Defense Against the Dark Arts. Okay. Um, I really did enjoy my time with it, uh, but uh-huh. but we only played it once, which would be my hesitation to put it on the list. Um, right. Not that there aren't games on here that I've only played once, but um, I would have wanted to play it more to see the variety of the game. Mm-hmm. However... Um, I do enjoy the concept of it a lot. I I can see how it could be, there could be a balancing issue for sure, uh, based on right. what I played and what you played. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like the, th- I mean, I like the theme, obviously. I like, I like the gameplay. I like how, if you've played Hogwarts Battle, it really flips from competitive to uh to sorry from cooperative to competitive so it right. gives you uh, more of a variety in gameplay mm-hmm. so if you're in the mood for a harry potter game you have immediately two choices if you have those two games on what you're in the mood for um and it's more of hogwarts battle um as far as components goes so i really enjoyed all of that um now playing two three four more times that could change Right. My opinion on where it sits, but right now I'm I'm happy putting it at ten. Okay, very cool. Um, yeah, that game obviously did did not make my list. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do agree that it is nice that all of the visual and graphic design in that really ties from the previous game. So if you know how to play the previous game, even without the instruction book, you probably could have a decent idea about how to play this game. Yeah. Yeah. So that is very cool. Okay, I will jump in and I will say this is my number nine then. My number nine is only my number nine because of it is an initial impression. I have not played this game enough, similar to you, for why you put the Harry Potter at 10. I haven't played this game enough to put it any higher than this, but I think it's worthy of being on my list. And I think if I play it more or once I play it more, I do think it will go much higher. And that is Lord of the Rings Journey in Middle Earth. Nice. I've only played the first mission, if you would. Uh, it, it it went pretty well. I think there's definitely a learning curve for the game, definitely. But the production value is great. The app integration is quite excellent. It's very, very well done. Uh, the theming of the game and really feeling like you're in that world is done excellently. Uh, production values are very good. It's kind of a lot of money for what's in the box. But then I also think about the fact that you're downloading an app that they had to pay for somehow, right? Yeah. You don't have to pay more for the app. So, yes, the box might be a little lighter than what you'd expect. Maybe not quite as big when you're dropping that much on a game. But there's more components than just what is in the box that you have to be thought thinking about. So, overall, like I said, I enjoyed my time with it. My partner's a huge Lord of the Rings fan uh, and seemed to have some positive thoughts on it as well. Looking forward to playing this more often and we'll be playing it a ton over the holidays, I anticipate. Um, but initial impression is very positive, so it makes the list. Lord of the Rings, Journey in Middle-Earth. Nice. Josh, what would be your number nine? Oof, my number nine, I think, will be Bunny Kingdom. Oh, Bunny Kingdom. All right. Bunny Kingdom was a game that I actually really enjoyed, and I want to play more of it. We almost got the expansion while we were there. Um, but that was, I had a... <laughs> a yellow experience. Uh, so we, uh, that's just again that caught me by surprise. I, I the theme was interesting, um, but I really enjoyed the, the gameplay as a whole. Um, I think what we decided was like, 
we didn't we had that issue with shuffling so the territory cards came up were very similar mm-hmm. but it's a, it's basically like is you know i mean you know we've talked about it i i just like the area control aspect of it and um building these these little tiny ta tiny towns tiny ta- towers or whatever you call them um it was competitive enough that I don't feel like it was cutthroat, like we weren't at each other's throats, uh, but we still had a fun time playing together. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it's something that I look forward to playing with more people, and again, and that definitely is a sign of a game that I want to keep on my list. Gotcha. Very cool. Bunny Kingdom, Josh's number nine. My number eight is a game that did come out in 2018, but I just got to the table for the first time this year. And while not maybe the most mentally taxing or challenging game, it is a game that when playing, I had a lot of fun with. So it might be more a case of who I played with than the case of how good the game is. But that is Ye old Big Box Fireball Island. Nice. I really enjoyed my time with that game. And I obviously when we had Rob Davio on the show, I talked about how horrible I was at the game because I'm not good at it. I never won. I have never still never won playing this game. But it is impressive when it's on the table. And it's a really easy game to pull out when you have people who aren't maybe super into hobby board games. Just pulling it out, setting it up, people are immediately interested. And I think that just does something. I think there's some positivity there. And there is some um, something cool to be said about a showpiece that you can put on your table to attract people. Now, maybe the gameplay isn't 100% balanced. Maybe there's a lot of luck in what happens. And I think that is all true. But that doesn't mean you still can't have a really good time playing the game with some friends and just kind of, you know, taking in the experience together and all the ridiculous things that can happen. So not the most strategic game, but a game that's definitely suited to a good time. Fireball Island would be my number eight. Josh, your number eight, sir. My number eight is going to be uh, Noctilica from Z-Man Games. Uh, This is a game that is very easy to play. Very easy to teach, uh, and it's uh, it's a gorgeous game. It's very good looking. I like the it's a dice selection game, uh, and you're trying to um, fulfill these requirements by getting a certain colored dice. Uh, and it's it's very it's simple but complex. And mm-hmm. the more people that play, the more complex it is. Uh, I would say it's still. Um, is prone to analysis paralysis for sure, uh, and that can be it, that can definitely make the game go longer than it really should be going. Um, I don't like the idea of prodding people to take a turn, so it definitely mm-hmm. has some some minuses to it. But overall, um, I really enjoy this game. I think that it's a, a definitely uh, at least not maybe not a must own, but a must uh, look into game. Very cool. Oh, excuse me. Moving on down the list, my number seven is a game that definitely was started prior to this year, but was finished in this year. And it's a game I definitely had some mixed feelings on, but in the end came around to thinking pretty positively about it. And that is Charterstone, Uh, the legacy game from Stonemaier Games, which I had started last year. But like I said, we finished early in 2018. So that's why I think I can count it. Uh, it's cool because it does a lot of things that other legacy games have not done yet. And I think there's always a challenge when your legacy game is based off of an IP that doesn't already exist, right? You don't already know how to play the game. So 
game one is learning how to play the game. And I think that's always more challenging. And Charterstone does a nice job of encouraging you to play the base game more than one time if you need to, to really feel and understand how the game works, what the general rules are, uh, and does some cool things. Also, while playing it with the Legacy format, it does some things kind of out of left field that you don't expect to happen, that you can't fully plan for. And that's what I want to a degree out of my Legacy games. Now, I don't want to be completely blown out of the water or if I have been planning for X thing to happen or trying to go X direction that now that has completely ruined the thing I've been working on for the last five games. But throwing an occasional curveball you have to deal with during a game is a lot of fun. I think Charterstone does it really well. So if you're looking for a legacy that game that can be played with one to six people, I think, which is pretty <laughs> a pretty big span of folks, uh, I think Charterstone is definitely worth the look. That's my number seven. Josh, what is your number seven, sir? My number seven is, well, it's going to be Fantastic Factories. Oh, nice. Uh, I could definitely see that getting higher um, on the list, but uh, after only uh, one full play one and a half plays um uh, it's definitely got potential to to get even higher in my favorite games um it's i don't know it just kind of fits it's that kind of game that whatever for whatever reason i just really vibe with like i like the um the dice rolling worker placement aspect of games like when you have I'm trying to think of like like Stone Age or Pytown, like these games where you're using dice as a component, like important parts of the game where you roll the die. It's not like, oh, I rolled a one, I'm doomed. It's like, oh, I rolled a one, what can I do with this one? Like you have way more options than just a bad roll. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that aspect and I like the uh, – each building has its own like uh, – job and ability and right. contributes. So it reminds me like a little bit of Machi Koro, a little bit of Flip City. Um, so I like that it it brings some of my favorite elements of other games into this game and uh, it doesn't hurt that it looks great. So easy choice for number seven. Very cool. All right. My number six is a game that You know, it's interesting because if you listen to the podcast and you hear me talk about it, you might think that I didn't really like this game. And in some ways, I didn't the first time I played it. But then I played it with more people and I really came around on it. And I think it does do some things that are pretty interesting uh, and is really different than the other games in the series. And that's Forbidden Sky. Oh, now with two people, I'm not certain I would fully recommend or endorse this game. But if you play with four people or so. Uh, or three people, I think the game really shines in that area. And it does a lot of really unique things. One thing I've always liked about the Forbidden group of games is how you can change the difficulty independent of the number of players. So if you're playing with two, three, four players, you know, the game changes a little bit to meet you there. But even inside of that or interdependent of that, you can change the difficulty level. And Forbidden Sky, I think, does a really nice job of giving you a lot of flexibility and a lot of options there. Plus, having a board that you're kind of building as you go really increases the replayability of the game. I think there are some strategies you're definitely trying to put out and trying to do. But I think with the variable player powers, the the board that's always um, 
changing every time you play, the wind impact that they have in that mechanism and how that works. Uh, the more I played it, the more I enjoyed it. So overall, not the best game in the Forbidden series, I don't think, but still a solid game in and of itself. That's Forbidden Sky. Nice. My number six, right? Yes. My number six is Tiny Towns. Nice. Um, it's kind of a half cheat. I did play it last year, um, but I did play it again this year. <laughs> and I played it with 160 people, which was pretty interesting. Uh, uh, you know, it's a game that I don't know why I don't play it more. Mm-hmm. Uh, just playing it again yesterday really reminded me of how great this game is um, and how accessible it is to every almost everybody. Um, it, it introduces space management into um, a board game where you might not be expecting it. It's it's mm-hmm. like it's like Tetris meets city planning or town planning. Um, while while you're doing this, you have to be constantly aware of what each building does, where you're placing cubes what you need, when you need it. And it's also about risk. You have to sometimes make risky choices about where you're going to place things and hope things work out in your favor. And you don't always know uh, where that's going to be. So you also need to be comfortable losing and playing again and playing Mm -hmm. again because the way that the game works is that it will be different every single time you play because people are making decisions for you at different times in the game um so it's also a game of uh flexibility being uh versatile in in board gaming so uh it does a lot of good things and it does a lot of great things at the price it is so you get a lot for the price very cool yeah man i really need to get that game still Ugh, i really wanted to get it and i just i haven't gotten to it yet uh, my number five is the reason I only have nine games on my list, and that's because I didn't really feel like I could count these games as separate games. Okay. But I played them both, and I liked them both, but it still just seemed odd to put them both as their own standalone entry, even though they technically are standalone games, but can be played together, too. Okay. Do you know where I'm going? I do. Yeah, that's the villainous kind of expansions, Wicked to the Core and Evil Comes Prepared. Yeah. So you can buy them and play them individually, but they're obviously best played with having the villainous base game and and all the villains there. And the more villains, the better. So I just really enjoy how they've continued to support this game. I think villainous is a fun game. We had a gathering here the other night and actually had five people playing villainous together. Nice. uh, And they had a great time playing it. So I was playing uno but <laughs> that's okay fine. other people well well we can talk about this a different time other yeah. people didn't really want to jump into something like that and then people were playing uno and i discovered the horror the absolute horror of house rules josh <laughs> my gosh yeah it that's was, why was, i don't play uno anymore <laughs> it was intense but anyway uh so yeah both the villainous games like i said wicked to the core and evil comes prepared if you enjoy villainous i think these are kind of easy recommendations is more of what you like uh but they do some neat and interesting things with the villains that they bring in different ways to play and different styles of playing in order to accomplish your goals of being the most villainous uh but yeah i just didn't feel like i should probably separate those into two entries uh so that's my number five villainous wicked of the core and evil comes prepared 
Josh, you're number five. I do want to say I probably would have put those. Probably would have made my list, but I have not played with the expansions yet. Oh, gotcha. You have you have them. Though, I right? do have them both. Yes. Okay. And I love villainous. I just every time I want to get it to the table, people are like yeah. I'm like okay. I, <laughs> I will say I do think the people who were playing last night maybe as a group of five regretted playing. Oh, really? Too, just too many. Well, enough people who didn't know how to play that were learning, sure. and that I think is hard. I think if you have five people who know how to play, I think it's totally fine. Uh, but when, you know, for the first hour, probably every turn was people asking questions and things need to be explained, uh, definitely increased the length of the game for sure. Sure. Okay. My number five is Jaws. Burn up. That's the one. Burn the, up. The shark. <laughs> um, I just really enjoyed Jaws. I like. The hidden movement aspect to the shark. I like the teamwork that is required for the uh, three other players. Um, I like that it has two different um, parts of the board. You play in Mm -hmm. the game in different phases. Uh, I just kind of like everything about it. And it's, it's nice to see these games coming out with from other ips that aren't garbage like it's nice to see people putting in work into games that we're used to seeing as throwaway games Uh, right so so i enjoy that it might it might boost my enjoyment of the game more because my expectation my expectations are lower uh, at first but i i really feel like this is one that um i think almost anyone could play this game and enjoy it not even knowing the films um, right. So variable player powers, hidden movement. Um, it's just a great game, and it, it it probably could have been higher. Except I have two potentially cheat games on my list, so it might have it might have <laughs> even made it to number three. Gotcha. All right. Uh, my number four is a game that Josh already mentioned, and that is Bunny Kingdom. Uh, nice. Bunny Kingdom has one of my favorite things that games can contain, and that it is very very easy to teach. But there's still a lot of depth and complexity and that every game is going to play out differently. Yes, you can have strategies you employ um, or ways to try to mitigate the luck is, that is there. But I think that, it, you know, everything is going to be dependent on, on how you draft those cards and what other people take around you and what their strategies are going into it. And can you flex and change what your strategy is based on what's available to you? Uh, so I think production value is great. Everything is bright and beautiful. Uh, Bunny Kingdom, easy, easy recommend. Definitely one of the best games I've played this year. Josh, your number four. My number four is a game I played for the first time yesterday. Nice! And it is Atelier by AEG. Oh. And it is a painting game. (laughs) Uh, It's worker placement, which I really enjoy. Uh, you You are... Well, you are attempting to build your masterpieces by building other paintings leading up to or building your masterpieces. The first person to build three masterpieces wins, but um, you set out to the game and you have your paint palette in front of you. You have uh, four dice that you roll and your or five, four or five dice that you're using. as you roll, the numbers dictate your actions, which is what you can do with your rolls. And you're moving artists or workers to gallons of paint. Mm-hmm. And if you control the most um, painters on whatever, like there's blue, red, yellow, and green. And you gather your, 
artists around these certain colors. And if you own the majority of the workers there, you get paint done certain dice rolls. And if you're familiar with Splendor, there's like a similar point system, but each painting has a required number of paints to paint that painting. And then you have to have like a, a five die to paint the painting. Then each painting has a special ability on the bottom that are sometimes uh, constant. Sometimes they're one, one-off effects. Um, and it was just a very fun, exciting, we played a four-player game of it, um, a surprise game. Like I did not, we weren't even supposed to be playing it at the, at the big game night. It wasn't on the list. Um, so we get to play that and it was like, it's right away while we were playing it. I just said, for no reason, I was just like, I really love this game. I think this game is excellent. And I stand by what I said. It was enough to be in my top five of games I played this year. So I give it major props. Awesome. Atelier. Very, very cool. Uh, My next game is a game that I have talked about on the podcast before. uh, A game I kind of raved about and people might want to have me stop talking about it. Uh, But uh, my number three game this year was Skulk Hollow. (laughs) Uh, The two-player head-to-head um asymmetrical battle game i guess fighting game if you want to call it that um which is kind of shadow of the colossus the board game Oof. it is great one people one person is a group of foxes slash woodland creatures the other player is a huge guardian uh that is risen that is trying to defeat these wonderful foxen kingdom animals uh and you just duke it out it's you know you have some card play there's a little small board between you and then the animals can jump onto your guardian and there's a whole separate guardian board that they move on trying to take out all parts and aspects of your abilities it's just a really fun game i think the ability to you know have user created guardians is pretty endless if you know i'm sure board game geek if they don't already has multiple user created different guardians and boards and things that you could do with abilities and powers and the ability for them to support this game is you know pretty intense like there's a lot of things they could do whether it be adding additional foxen type um, characters or clans uh, additional guardians new abilities uh really loved my time with skull hollow and definitely recommend it it was my number three game of the year nice I'm happy. I'm happy for you on that one. I really, I almost pulled the trigger, but I'll get it at some point. Um, my number three is Keyforge. <laughs> uh, kind Keyforge of, Friday, kind of a cheat because uh, I played it a lot last year as well. But uh, I played it more this year. I should say that I played it more this year than last year. And they've released brand new sets this year. And there's two new sets this year. Um, I still love the game. Uh, speaking of games we've talked about too much on this podcast, uh, I definitely have talked plenty about Keyforge. Um, it's just uh, the appeal, excuse me, to me is that you can get a deck and you can open it and you can play it. That's all you need to do. You mm-hmm. just need to know the core gameplay of Keyforge and you can have a different experience every time you play. And I really enjoy that aspect of it. Awesome. All right. So my number two game is a huge cheat. That's okay. My number one's a huge cheat. (laughs) uh, Because it is a game that actually came out, I think, back in 2017. But I didn't play it until this year. And I don't think 2017 is too far away. 
Uh, that's Century Gollum edition. Uh, yeah, I would have. That would have been my number one, but. <laughs> yeah, so a big cheat, but I like I said, I didn't play it until this year, yeah. and you know we we're lucky enough to have Emerson on the show, but it it really is just production value is amazing, simplicity of design, but still with a depth of strategy. This game really is vying for a spot in like my favorite games overall, uh, and the only reason it's not number one. Number A, I felt a little guilty about putting on the list at all because it, when it came out. Uh, but number two, the, the, my number one game is a game that uh, the more I play it, I think it could easily make its way into my top maybe three games of all time if I continue to enjoy it as much as I have. Um, so as a result of that, Century Golem Edition, number two on my list. Josh, your number two, sir. My number two is Wingspan. What can I say about Wingspan that we haven't already said? Yeah. <laughs> it's, a br- it's a brilliant, unique game it's yep. it's unique while not necessarily even being as unique as it feels right it definitely has aspects of other games in it but it really just feels like there is no other game like wingspan and it's challenging it has there's so many possibilities and that the the deck is so big that yeah. you will never play a similar game if you do, that's crazy random. There, uh, there will always be a different set of birds out. There will always be different strategies to try. There'll always be failings that you you could have done something better. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, it's just one of the best looking games on the market as well. So that doesn't hurt it either. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. wingspan number two. All right, that goes to me then for my number one. My number one is a game Josh has already talked about. <laughs> it's Wingspan. Hey. Man, I love this game. <laughs> and I know it's getting all, a lot of the press, and it's kind of the hot game of the year. Uh, but it really is – it deserves all the credit it's getting. It deserves all the attention it's getting because it is that good. For a theme that seems kind of odd, and you're like, why would I care about birds? The implementation and the engine building in the game is is pretty smart and done well. And I have never been so interested in, you know, I know Josh hates when people do this, but if I'm playing with enough people, I'll pull out my phone and look up, (laughs) what is this bird? This bird seems cool. Uh, And I've done that more in this game than I have any other game. So I feel like I'm still kind of on topic, which is great. Uh, The expansion really does a nice job of bringing some new things into it that don't make the game feel different. Mm -hmm. They definitely just feel like, oh, this makes sense that you would add this. Oh, this makes sense that you would add this. And if you taught people who had never played the game and include the expansion, there's not going to be anything different that they're going to know. It's not something that seems odd. It fits so well within it. Um, So Wingspan, I think a a super easy recommendation. Definitely my number one game of the year. Josh, your cheat number one. (laughs) What is it? I'm sure. Can you guess? Uh, I mean, I have a guess, but I don't know. I, I, I would guess Gloomhaven. Yeah, it's Gloomhaven. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it, yeah, I mean, it's a game we look forward to playing whenever we get the opportunity to play it. Um, every game, even losses, while they're hard to take, are fun. Um, what's I felt a little bit better when we were waiting in line for that panel. I was like the third person in line because I just got there so early and I just felt like I'm too casual to be this, <laughs> this like early 
And right. like, you know, people are talking, like one of the guys I sat next to once we finally got in, he started asking me about it. And I was like, oh, I'm too casual. I don't feel comfortable talking to you about it. He's like, no, no, I'm casual too. We don't get to play that often. So we started talking and like sharing similar experiences. And then uh, Tom Vassell kind of moderated the thing panel. And he was like, how many people by round of applause have finished Gloomhaven? And one person clapped out of 300 people. So wow. I was like, oh, I feel better. Um, so it's just, it's this game that keeps on giving. It's so much fun. There's so much to do in, in the potential for all these new things to unlock and learn is it just, it's a game that keeps on giving and I can't wait. I can't wait to keep playing it. And and maybe there'll be a day where I don't look forward to playing it, but I don't see that happening uh, currently. Gotcha. Oh, Gloomhaven. Uh, I d- totally forgot. I could have had 10 because I totally should have put reef on my list. Oh, I, I considered reef too. Um, yeah. We played it last year. Yeah. So I probably put, should put reef on my list. So that would be my 10th game. Uh, probably in like the f- sixth position, I would guess. So there we go. Reef, I'm going to make it. So now I have 10. Go me. Uh, <laughs> really quick question before we transition to video games. And I know this is kind of putting you on the spot. Hmm. If you had to say your biggest disappointment of the year. For board games. For board games. Oh, no. I have to well, look around think, well, at my game. Yeah, you, yeah. you go ahead. <laughs> I will go, since I threw this upon you, I've been thinking about it. My biggest disappointment is Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle Defense Against the Dark Arts. Um, as someone who really enjoyed Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle, I was really excited for this game and really looking forward to a game that the partner and I could just pick up and play when we were looking on a slow night or if we were maybe had a movie on that we've already seen and just kind of wanted to do something together, uh, something that we wouldn't have to think too hard about. And her experience with it was so negative. She has zero desire to ever play this game ever again. Uh, So that, for me, was the biggest disappointment. And it might not be the game's fault. Maybe the game is a good game. I don't know. Maybe there are people who have an amazing time with it. I just was really disappointed that this game didn't land like I was hoping it would. uh, And I don't know that I will ever get to play it again. So that is my biggest disappointment. Uh, And looking at all of your games, have you come to a conclusion? If not, that's okay. I mean, uh, this game is old, but I played it for the first time this year. It was Arena for the Gods. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it just it didn't hit. Um, I I expected my expectations were a lot higher. I don't know that they deserved to be as high as they were. So mm-hmm. that might be like I feel like it's just not a game for us. Um, I had it was just sitting there looking at me for the longest time, and that and Titan Race. I think those two games really were were big disappointments for what my expectations were for those games. Gotcha. All right, we will move on. We're going to talk video games now. And unlike board games, no flexibility in this list. These are all games that released in this year. The one caveat to that might be that maybe they came out in 2018 on PC and console in 2019 or something like that. Uh, But the first time we had the ability to play them really was 2019 based on the devices that we have. Um, Before we get to it, though, Josh, overall, 2019 in video games, general thoughts. Good? Bad? Better than 2018? Not as good as 2018? What do you think? Um, I'll say okay. Solid okay. I don't know that it was fantastic. Um, there's definitely some shining stars for sure, but... Right. Um, uh, there's a lot of more, I think, disappointments this year than last year for me. Okay. So, um, um, and that might just be that might, you know, that might just be expectation-wise. 
So I remember at the beginning of the year, I said that people would say 2019 was a more disappointing year than they expected it to be sure. in games. That was one of my predictions. Do you think that prediction was accurate? Yeah, I would agree with that, I think. Okay. I think it is more. I think it. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. Second question. Was there, And you don't have to mention it, what it is, even though I would know the answer. <laughs> Is there any game that was released this year that would make like that would be in the running? We're going to be doing our top ten games of the decade yeah. soon. Is there any games from this year that would potentially be in the running for that list? Yeah, there's two. Oh, okay, but yet still a disappointing Maybe year three. overall. Oh wow. Yeah, uh, yeah, still over. I think. Well, for me, I think it was okay, but okay. I don't. I think your your thought on it, your thesis was is fine. Like I agree that okay. it was more disappointing than 2018 right that was what your thought was uh i i think it, yeah i said that people would say it was a worse year than 2018 yeah, yeah. i think overall you know i don't know I, I would really have to sit down and look at a list of of games from both years to like right. to, to to commit to one or the other but i feel like that's right right no i and i think the hard thing about 2018 is there was a couple really really good games yeah and i don't know that we had anything that pretty universally just blew everything else away right, right. And i think that's what makes it hard that makes probably the whole year seem a little more lackluster even though i think there were still a lot of good games like uh did you have an easy time putting your list together or no yeah i had a pretty easy time putting it together yeah, mine, in fact i thought i i think i might have forgotten some okay i my list came together i just started looking at the re- release calendar and just started typing and i think when i was done i had 15 or 16 games but was really easily able to cut out the five or six i needed to to get down to 10 so but that was me all right josh with that out of the way um what uh let's start number 10 what is your number 10 game of 2019 okay so i didn't do them in numbers so i'm gonna have to just do them on the fly so my number 10 oh mine are i can mine are in order i can go first if you want to order yours well that's okay i can i can i mean by looking at them i just put so my number 10 game could also be on a different list that maybe we'll get to at some point. My number 10 game is Anthem. Oh, okay. Um, I really I enjoyed, like yeah, I really enjoyed my time with Anthem. I really did. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I really, I really feel like they had something mm-hmm. there that, that um, they were their own worst enemies. I feel uh, with the release of this game, but from what I played, the campaign itself, I had a, a fantastic time. Right. Um, so I, I still hold Anthem in semi-high regards uh, mm-hmm. for what it was, uh, when it was, if that makes sense. For sure. Absolutely. <laughs> so Anthem, you're number 10. My number 10, uh, a game I talked about on this podcast quite a bit, uh, and I, I came around on at the end, and that's Borderlands 3. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> oh, did you expect it to be higher or lower based off that? Lower. Lower. You didn't expect it to be on the list? No. Okay. Uh, and I think it's because it finished strong. I, I had a really great time at the beginning. I had a really great time at the end after I took some time off. And you're right. You know, in that level 35 to 45, well, level 30 to 40, in that range, it, it felt like a drag. It really felt like I was grinding things out. I wasn't having as much fun. But I think also at that point, I didn't quite realize how long the game was still, and I was pushing myself to finish it and play it in maybe a situation I shouldn't have. So that might be more on me. Um, and when I took some time off and went back to it and played it, I had a really great time when I finished the game. Uh, the storytelling is still not the most 
you know, I storytelling is fine. Characters are fine. Uh, but the, the gunplay and the combat is fun and you get some cool things and you get to do some wacky things. And, you know, as far as the art direction goes, they really commit to a cool art direction and the worlds are cool. Like they have cool worlds that they build. So, uh, despite my occasional frustrations with it, Borderlands 3 is my number 10 of the year. Josh, you're number nine. My number nine is World War Z. Wow. Okay. Um, a game that I've had so much fun playing. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of the most fun games I've played uh, with people. Now, uh, would this game make it on my top 10 list if I only played it solo? I'm Probably not. Right. Um, but the multiplayer aspects itself and the amount of time I spent with it on Extra Life really put it more higher up on my list because I felt confident in in, in labeling it a top 10 game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it being a surprise also helps that bump as well. Like uh, It really truly was a game that uh, when it was announced, it felt like one of those like the Terminator game that just came out, it felt like one of those weird licensed games that was made by a developer that right. I wasn't comf- like confident in, and I didn't really know what to expect. Um, but it turned out to, it turned out to be a game that I continue to want to play and will play, mm-hmm. um, given the opportunity to play with people. Uh, so it was pretty easy to put onto my list after that extra life. Gotcha. So, Josh, really quick before we continue on, how many games do you think we have in common on our two lists? Uh, three. I'm gonna. I think three might be a good guess. For that. <laughs> okay. Uh, my number nine is the only game I played and finished on my Switch this year, which is why I'm really happy we have Donnie on our top ten games of the decade because we really need someone with a Nintendo focus yes. on that list. And Donnie obviously plays everything, but he definitely is. He's playing Nintendo, right? Um, and that's Katana Zero. Okay. Uh, really great game. I think it definitely early in the year when the game came out or mid year, I guess, uh, had a lot of people talking about it being potential game of the year. Uh, I think it's an awesome story. The, the mechanics of how you play the game are very cool. Uh, the music is awesome. Uh, Katana Zero has a lot of really good things going for it. If I had played it now, I might've ranked it a little bit higher and I didn't have a chance to go back and play it, but just in, We'll go back and play it right before I did this list. But just in my remembering how I felt while I was playing it, the the joy I had with it, I knew it had to be on my list. Um, and I think it's a really easy recommendation for a, if you're looking for a fun, action-focused indie game that tries to tell a really interesting story. Uh, I think Katana Zero checks all those boxes. So that was my number nine game of the year, Katana Zero. Josh, your number eight, sir. My number eight is The Outer Worlds. Um, it could be higher, but there's just so many, there's other games that I enjoyed more. Um, not to say that this game isn't good, but, uh, it, it also was a surprise to me. I didn't expect this to to be a game I would enjoy, period. Um, I'm not a fan of the Fallout series, um, for reasons. Um, so I thought going into this, everyone's saying, you know, this is Fallout, this is Fallout New Vegas, this is more Fallout. And for me, that couldn't have been more wrong. Um, I really enjoy the time I've spent with it. I look forward to playing more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, everything works well. I like the combat. They did a great job, uh, for in my mind, with bringing um, better first-person combat for people like me who 
have played the shooter like genres. Right. Um, and it, it feels a lot like a Bioware game to me, like good Bioware games. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really what's got me into it. Like it feels like a Dragon Age or a Mass Effect 2, uh, especially with like the companion stuff. So um, I'm still high on this game and it could uh, definitely become in my mind higher on the list. But for now, it's it's sitting at eight for the year. Very cool. Uh, my number eight is a game that I'm kind of surprised is on my list. I, I was excited to get it. I was excited to play it. I just didn't know where exactly it would sit. Uh, but the multiplayer has pulled me in more than I anticipated that it would. And that's Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Uh, I'm someone who has played most of, well, all of the Call of Duty games in some capacity, basically since two, I think. Three? One of the two. One of those early ones prior to Modern Warfare. But, you know, I've always jumped in and dabbled at least some. I've always I've played all of the campaigns. Uh, the campaign in this one was good. Uh, the characters were stronger than maybe the story was. The set pieces they did a nice job with. And there's some things you could talk from a political perspective of, as to whether they did things the right way or not. But <laughs> I, I had a good time playing the campaign. I, I enjoyed my time with it. It was brief, you know, five, six hours as Call of Duty campaigns are. Uh, and honestly, when I started multiplayer, it was a bit of a struggle. I wasn't having an amazing, amazing time, but they have definitely patched the game very efficiently and very well. Uh, and I really enjoy my time playing multiplayer now. We could talk about the Battle Pass that was just released. My goodness, is it a grind to go from level <laughs> to level. It is ridiculous. Someone, I think, figured on Reddit uh, that based off of... And the hard part is, is they don't tell you like how much experience or whatever you need to get from level to level. Uh, someone figured it's probably going to be roughly 200 hours to get through all of the levels Wow! W- for the average player, which is a huge ask. Like that's a lot of time for someone to get through all of those levels. Um, so there's definitely some issues there, but just my experience playing the game, I'm having a lot of fun playing the game. Uh, so as a result of that call of duty, modern warfare, my number eight, Josh, your number seven, sir. My number se- Well, call of duty would have been my 11, by the way. Okay. Um, uh, and then my number seven is A Plague Tale. A Tale of Innocence. Is that A Plague Tale? A Plague Tale Innocence. Innocence. Thank you. Um, just a stunning, more piece of art than a video game, if you will. Um, charming story, engaging gameplay, intense, scary, exciting, all of these things. Like, it's everything you want in a video game that no one's heard of. Like, mm-hmm. more people need to play this game. <laughs> I agree. Um, but yeah, yeah, this could have been six or five. But for me, it's a seven right now. Awesome. All right. Uh, my number seven, uh, another game that I've talked about a lot recently, uh, that is Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Mm. Uh, could have been potentially higher on my list, except I realized a couple things. Number one, I know that maybe patches have happened and other people didn't have the technical issues that I did. But I had so many technical issues in that game. It was really, really hard sometimes to want to go back and play it not knowing if things are going to work mm. uh, i will say the my last handful of hours with the game i didn't run into any issues so that was good number two and <laughs> talking to you i realized i kind of played the game in hard mode uh because the last bosses were pretty frustrating yeah. uh and then i realized that maybe i should have done more exploration and that would have made them not quite as hard as they were so having a few more health files might have been a little helpful uh, in those final bosses. But uh, I still stand by. I don't think the main the protagonist is very interesting. I think he's kind of bland. He gets a little bit better towards the end. Uh, but I do think that basically every other character in the game is more interesting than he is. But 
BD1 is basically the best video game buddy there is just about. Yeah. Uh, if he's not the best, he's up there with the best, uh, and he's definitely going to be mentioned in the best. Um, so BD1, as a result of that, if nothing else, helps get it at number seven. Had I had less technical issues, it might have been a touch higher, but that's my number seven, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Josh, you're number six, sir. My number six is Death Stranding. Wow. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to this game. Uh, <laughs> and I really didn't expect the plot or the, the gameplay mechanic to uh, grab me, but for whatever reason, I feel this need to complete these missions and to participate in this world and <laughs> in the shared world. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason, I couldn't necessarily tell you why, like I'm like, feel the need to do this. Uh, it, it looks incredible. It's, uh, it plays and controls real well. Um, it can be frustrating, but I think it's by design. Like you're meant to be frustrated and I get that more, the more I play, the more I get that. Um, so yeah, that's running is number six and I look forward to spending more time with it. Awesome. My number six is a game that makes you feel like you are the star of an action movie and also my only VR title on the list this year, wow. and that is that is Blood and Truth. Uh, this game was dumb fun in the best possible way. In every possible way a game can be dumb fun, Blood and Truth delivered, and I played the game in two sittings and wanted to immediately go back for more, and they've really done a good job of supporting this game with adding extra DLC and, tri- and trials and challenges and stuff at no extra cost, so they're doing a really nice job of supporting it. You know, there's a lot of debate as to whether VR is a worthwhile medium or, or what is going on there. Uh, I think, you know, PlayStation, while right now things are a little bit dry, uh, 2018 was a great year. There's been some good games in 2019, a couple others that just barely missed making the list for me. Uh, but Blood and Truth, I think, is really proof that with enough time and enough interest and enough money, uh, you can put out some really awesome games that can only be done in VR to make you feel that way. So Blood and Truth, my number six of the year. Uh, Josh, what's your number five, sir? My number five is new to consoles this year. That works. It's Wreckfest. Um, it's a very so. I think it because it's a racing game. It is, and it's not even technically. It's kind of a racing game. Uh, it's kind of put into this category where people like won't even look at it. It goes. <laughs> uh, it, people, you know. It's a racing game. That's what they say. Oh, it's a racing game. It's another racing game. It's so much more than a racing game. Um, and for people like me who had nostalgia for um, Destruction Derby on the PlayStation, um, this is a game that works so well uh, if you wanted to play casual or you want to play authentic. Like, you have these different options. You can just smash cars up, or you can see what it's like to take a, a car into a demolition derby and and just destroy the gearbox on your first hit and realize oh i have to do better (laughs) like i can't just be driving into people um it adds crazy wacky modes uh there's a lot of fun to be had with it it looks great it controls awesome it feels so good controlling the cars um it's just under underappreciated and underplayed game i think more people should give it a shot i hope they put out a demo or something where people can try it. Um, but Rackfest is easy number five for me. Yeah, and I 
have it and haven't even played it. <laughs> uh, my number five, speaking of games that people should give a shot to and probably try and play, especially when they own them, uh, is Slay the Spire. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nice I hear that's little, good. Uh, yeah. Nice little roguelike card game. Uh, this is one of the two games on my list I haven't finished. Um, so I'm still kind of working my way through it. I, I play it pretty regularly every few weeks. I will p- jump in and play a few rounds of Slay the Spire. I'm not playing it daily like some of our listeners are who are mm. obsessed with the game, which is great. I'm glad it's grabbing people, but it really is ni- a nice, fun uh, roguelite card game where you are building your deck and climbing floors of the tower, um, trying to get to the Spire uh, so you can Slay the Spire. Uh, and it's fun. It's just a really good time. The graphics, if you watch a video for it, you're going to be like, ooh, goodness, I don't know if I want to play this. But the gameplay, the how they build the decks, the different champions that you can use um, to build very, very different decks um, as you try to work your way up is well done. And I know there's a fourth one they're working on now, uh, but it is on every platform, including Switch. Um, you know, I, I think it's a very, very easy recommend. And I encourage you, if you're interested in you know, board games or video games. This is a good fit either way. Uh, that's Slay the Spire. Josh, you're number four. My number four is Apex Legends. I, and when we talked about games we talked about and board games that we talk about too much, this is a game that I constantly talk about and I still enjoy it. They do such a great job at making that game feel fresh every time I play it. Um Something I was talking to someone recently, and I don't remember who it was, but one of the things that sets Apex Legends apart from other um, Battle Royale games is you're always doing something. There's always something happening. You're not just running for minutes to try to find people. There's always something happening in Apex, and I think that that is what really is connecting with people. Um, it's always like you, you can just watch it and there's always something to watch even if you're not playing but I just enjoy um, they they change the game so much without but subtly like they're not really changing the game they're just adding things here and there they're not adding mechs like that like what Fortnite did where people got so mad it basically made them reset Fortnite mm-hmm. um, they're adding a map in every once in a while they're changing gameplay modes um and adding characters in slowly with the season passes i just really enjoy the game still and i don't see stopping for a long time gotcha josh uh, my number four is our first game that we've had in common oh uh plague tale it is a plague tale <laughs> innocence is my number four uh as someone who usually doesn't like stealth games or isn't a huge fan of stealth, typically, unless it's kind of an optional thing you can choose to do. Hmm. I didn't know if I would like this game. But the story is interesting. The game is beautiful. And there's just something about it. It's a unique setting with a story we don't get very often that's just done in a really awesome way. And it, it, it talks about family members that often aren't the highlight of games. And they do a lot of really unique things, and they do it really, really well. I, I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed it the rat tech or whatever you want to call it with the swarms of rats is kind of spine chilling it looks really gross like it's nasty uh but i just i similar to your thoughts with wreckfest and you said it about a plague tale innocence as well i want more people to play this game because it is amazing yeah Uh, really had a great time with it this year uh that's my number four a plague tale innocence josh top three what is your number three game of the year my number three is Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. And it could have been higher if there, like, it, 
in another in another year it could have been number one. Um, I didn't run into any technical issues, so I feel like at least in PSVG I'm in the minority, which is fine. Um, I've I found the story to be excellent. I really enjoyed what you'd say is no character development. I enjoyed the character development of this young Jedi who is more than maybe you think as you're exper- as you're going through the game. Um, I enjoyed the gameplay. I thought it was great. Uh, the, I don't play the Dark Souls games, but I liked the parry um, mechanic. I loved the puzzles. I loved how the maps were like sponges or like ant like colonies like the maps aren't very big but there's so much to do and explore i really enjoyed the exploring aspect of it um i feel like it definitely suffered from not having fast travel for sure but that would be my probably my only gripe with the game i really enjoyed um how they handled bigger bad guys and how little it made you feel Mm -hmm. um I liked the voice acting was great. Mm-hmm. Um, it just I had a great experience with it. I really enjoyed the game. Yeah, it's definitely a good game for sure. So, all right, Josh, my number three is a game I've been teasing on Twitter. Mm. It's a game I have never talked about on the podcast ever, ever. ever. I don't think I just started it recently. You talked about it. Did I talk about it? <laughs> you didn't talk about the game. You just talked about that you were playing it. Oh, gotcha. Okay, <laughs> uh, but anyway. So, and this is the only other game on my list I haven't finished yet. Um, and that's uh, Children of Morta, hmm. which I will say is a uh, man is a roguelite uh, game inspired by Diablo and those style of games where you play a member of a family who is uh, going on. A, you're venturing down into some dungeons, some catacombs, trying to figure out there's this plague that's happening. You're trying to take care of this and fight back on this. And this is kind of what your family's role and responsibility is. Uh, if you want a more in-depth review, Kevin Austin actually did one for PSVG. Um, and I had heard other people talking about this game because it had been in early access on PC for a while, but it came out fully just a couple months ago. And the cool thing I like about this game and I don't think this is a spoiler to talk about, is what happens is since you are a family, you have different characters that you can choose to play as, who have, and they all have different abilities and different things that they do. But when you adventure down into the dungeons and as you go through the world and you level these characters up, they unlock abilities that impact the entire family. So it's like, oh, so-and-so character taught the family how to do this better. So all characters are improved in this stat area now. And it really encourages you to revisit areas, replay areas, and make sure you're playing with all of the characters to level them up because it makes every other character better, which is such a great way to handle that formula when you have multiple characters and you don't know who you want to play or if you really fall in love with one style, uh, it, it still encourages you to go do other things. And the style of a character who I never would have tried before because I was like, this is not going to be what I want to do has now, I think, become my favorite character to play because I was like, well, I want to get these benefits for everyone, so I'm going to try it. Uh, and I've just fallen in love with this game. I really like it. I encourage others to check it out. And I'm actually really disappointed that in a year of a lot of very good indie games and a lot of games, you know, when you talk about or look at independent games being recognized for best indie game of the year and stuff, Children of Morta is not in those talks, and I don't understand why because I think the game is amazing. Uh, so that's my number three, Children of Morta. Nice. 
Number two, Josh. My number two is Mortal Kombat 11. Oh, yeah. Ripping some spines out. Crushing some skulls. <laughs> and those other things that you do in the game. Uh, it's just a phenomenal game. It's a great fighting game. It's one of the best fighting games um, that I've ever played. And I I have intentionally not purchased any characters yet because I want to <clears throat> buy the, the, the character pack after the last DLC character comes out. So I feel mm-hmm. like I'll have a whole new game to play um, because there's still so much to do. Even exploring around the crypt, <clears throat> you unlock all these new customization options and... I'm still like trudging through like the character stories when you do like a regular classic tower to unlock your character's endings. Um, I'm not a guy like I'm not the type of person you see trying to master combos and be the best at every character. But I do like that every character feels different and you have to put a little bit of love into each character when you decide to play as them. And for me, that you know that elevates it above button mashing because you mm-hmm. can button mash all you want, and that's not going to help you in this game as much as in the right. previous versions. Um, so I like that as well. Um, the only problem that I do see playing with other people is when you remove that button mashing aspect, it does kind of take away the fun of two people playing a game that are on even like even ground, even footing. Um, so for me, I feel like it's a little less fun from like my old school days of having people coming over and we just do fighting games for hours. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that you can really do that in this one. Right. Uh, but, but I, but I also enjoy it for that reason as well. Um, um, it, it's a great game and it would have been number one if it wasn't for our number one, probably. <laughs> well, do you want to take a stab at what my number two is then? Oh man, if it's if it's what I think your number one is, I don't I don't know what I'm gonna do. Uh, uh, no, my my number one is what, what is you your my number, number one two? Is. My number two is a game that I think got real short shrift this year, and I understand that maybe when review codes went out for the game, it wasn't in ideal conditions. But it's a game I sunk a lot of time into and had a wonderful time with, and that's Days Gone. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I had an absolute stellar time with this game. I liked the characters a lot. I thought the music was amazing. I thought the world that uh, Ben Studio created was awesome. Fighting those um, hordes of freakers was satisfying and tense. Uh, You know, they did a lot of really great things with this game. And, you know, are there some issues with it? Absolutely. You know, was there maybe a technical issue here or there? Yeah. But honestly, like in comparison to what I had like in Star Wars, not even comparable. I had a couple drop frames every once in a while. And days gone, and that's it. Like that was what my technical issues were. Um, but yeah, like I said, I really enjoyed what they did with this game. I, I think the argument that it was maybe too long is probably justifiable. It was a very long game, and the story goes on for a very long time. And they probably could have gotten two games worth out of that game, <laughs> but they continue to support it well over into the summer, actually until just recently. Um, and you know, are even now still doing crossover downloadable stuff for free with like death stranding and things like that. So, uh, I think they did a great job. I'm really excited to see, I hope they stick in this world and do more with it. We'll have to see what they decide to do. Um, but you know, days gone, Sony bend hats off to him. I thought the game was great. And I, I really feel like most people either wrote it off 
um, because of the reviews. Um, and actually, I think there's a, a pretty strong uh, number of people online who really love the game and, and a pretty strong fan following for it. So if you haven't played it, uh, you can probably get it still really cheap right now due to holiday sales and stuff. But I, I really love Days Gone. So, all right, Josh. Uh, why don't you uh, take control and uh, tell us what your number one game of the year is? Uh, Children of Morta is my number one. You're such a liar. I wish it was, <laughs> but you're such a liar. Uh, control, of course, is my number one game of the year because it's an incredible game that uh, <laughs> does incredible things. And... It's one of my favorite types of games, a game where, uh, very similar uh, to Star Wars Jedi, you start off at the lowest of your ability, and you constantly get better, uh, and it feels natural, like a natural progression. I think in both games, but um, mm-hmm. Control just does... Control adds this... Um, I think, like I said when we were talking, but when I was talking about it before, I really think like this could have been a Matrix game. Like it has this element of mystery and um, uh, intrigue. Like you want to know what's going on, right. but you're also comfortable not knowing what the heck is going on. You don't. <laughs> you don't feel like you're missing something. Yeah. For like sure. there's a lot of games I play that that try to be mysterious and it just doesn't translate to fun. Like mm-hmm. you just feel like you don't know what you're doing or why you're doing it. And then this is a game where Jesse, you are Jesse. You like you're the, you are Jesse. It's not a game where you're playing as Lara Croft. You are right. Jesse. You are, you are learning what she learns at the same exact moment that she learns something. And at the same time, you're also all these characters that she in- interacts with because she does have this thing that she does have a little bit of insight on that we don't know about. Right. And as she's letting in the supporting characters on what this thing is, we're also learning about that too. So there's so many aspects of the game that really, to me, make you feel a part of it on both sides. Mm-hmm. And something always interesting or exciting happens every chapter, every time something new is unlocked or every new room you get to and it's hard it has challenging parts mm-hmm. but they're also rewarding like yeah. you're you're doing this very difficult thing to get something that's going to make you a stronger person and stronger character so um i i think everything they did with this game was a smashing success yeah uh, Control is also my number one. Uh, like I said, I think no surprise to anyone who listens to this podcast. We are both uh, big fans of this game. So you wax poetic about it. I don't really have anything to add necessarily other than that the Ashtray Base is one of the coolest experiences I've had in the game in a long, long time. Josh, what do you think the chances are that, like I said, there's a state of play on Tuesday slash you already had watched this state of play. Hmm. Uh, we haven't heard anything about DLC. Do you think there's a chance we get anything about DLC in the state of play? Or is that going to be a game awards thing? Or is that neither? <laughs> I don't know if they. Need, I don't know that they need to rush it. Well, so it was I'm supposed not... to be out winter, the first one. Oh, really? I yeah. didn't know it was that soon. Yeah. Yeah, then maybe we get a trailer. That would be nice to see a trailer. Yeah, because I think maybe January is what they said for the first one. So I would assume something soon. So 
those are our 10 favorite video games this year. Josh, you know where I'm going with the next question. We're getting a little long in the tooth as far as time goes. But I as we do. Yeah, as we do. <laughs> uh, biggest disappointment this year? Plural, you mean? Or if you have disappointments, <laughs> that's fine. I mean, Anthem. What Anthem has become. Um, what EA has done with Anthem. The... I don't know. There's so many ways I can go. I know it was my ten, my top ten game because of what it was when it came out. But what Anthem has become has really shown that to me that EA. I don't know. They don't care about me as a consumer. My investment was worth nothing to them. They can't stick to their guns. I don't know where to land on this, but what has happened to Anthem, and what is just so disappointing to me that now we have to like wait for like Anthem Redux and they're going to change the whole game. Like they couldn't just stick to this vision and try to give us a game, the game that we were promised. Like they did, they started trying to fix this game and they did a good job for a little bit. They fixed a lot of complaints. They, they Mm -hmm. made the game more seamless uh, and I'm really, I'm really disappointed in, in, in just everything that happened with it, and and that is currently happening with it. Um, it's a real bummer, and it's really going to make me second guess ever committing to a game on that scale, um, right. from them at least. Um, For sure. And then Borderlands Three is a, one of my biggest disappointments. Um, and I'm not blaming um, Gearbox on that. It's just a disappointment to me that I didn't, it didn't meet my expectations, whatever right. those were. Um, for sure. I'm not saying the game is bad. It just, for me, it's a disappointment um, as far as the stock I put in it. Yeah, totally understand that. Uh, for me, I would agree with Anthem. Anthem was definitely a disappointment for me. And my other big disappointment this year was Rage 2. Oh, that would be on there too, yeah. Yeah, I was really looking forward to that game, and it's kind of the same boat. Not that anything is broken in that game. It just, man, they marketed it really well, and it just did not. Yeah, watching the marketing was it more wasn't fun the same than game. playing the game. Yeah, yeah. so uh, Rage Two would probably be my other big disappointment. And just for clarification, uh, uh, for the Control DLC roadmap, we're supposed to get the new game mode Expeditions is supposed to come out December 2019. Uh, and expansion one, the foundation is early 2020, and expansion two, AWE, is mid 2020. Nice. So that's kind of where we're at with that. Uh, any games you want to mention really quick that you did not get enough to play or didn't have the opportunity to play um, that you think might have potentially made your list had you played them? Oh, oh, I forgot another disappointment Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some Switch games I wish I played that could have made I the agree. list. Um, the Ouija's mentioned three being one of them. Uh, um, Yoshi's Crafted World. There's a bunch of games I wish I played on the Switch yeah. that I didn't get to. Um, I'm sure there's others that I didn't get to that could have made the list. Maybe Children of Morta. Maybe Slay the Spire. Um, so yeah, there's definitely some. What about you? Uh, I mean, for me, Resident Evil Two and DMC Five. Uh yeah, those those would be on my list too. I think. Yeah, and I don't. I didn't play enough of the Outer Worlds to put it on my list. I didn't feel like I'm enjoying what I've played, but I haven't played enough. Same with Death Stranding. It's in the same boat. Um, and then on my list, I wrote quote basically every Nintendo game. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, we get we get labeled the Nintendo haters, and I don't. I I just I don't hate Nintendo. I've I grew up on Nintendo. It's just it's just not vibing with me right now for whatever reason right and i think for me it's 
I only have so much time and I choose to put my time elsewhere. It's not that I yeah. don't want to play those other things. I just am choosing to play other things. So yeah, I mean, we have two switches now in this household. Yeah. So like, I like Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, we do have some listener support or listeners sent in uh, feedback on their favorite games. Uh, Josh, why don't you take us through those? Sure. We got the coach Hulk, AKA Del coach Ox at coach Hulk. Uh, he put Madden, of course. FIFA, of course. Outer Worlds, which is a surprise. And Hero Clicks. Uh, and I believe he means, I don't know if he means strike teams or just Hero Clicks in general, but I know that the Hero Clicks strike teams or force came out this year as a board game. Um, so thanks for including a board game coach. Uh, Paul Calico at pcalico84. He puts favorite video games, Spider Man. We'll give him passes. These games came out last year. God That's of okay. War. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and then he hasn't he's put haven't played a bunch of board games so <laughs> Monopoly deal so okay seems good let's do great. it great <laughs> uh, Schplig at Dobalicious jumps in with didn't get to play too much this year hashtag life I hear ya but really enjoyed Wingspan Slay the Spire Apex Legends Fantastic Factories and Modern Warfare. Sounds like you get to play some games. Uh, I'm pretty happy with that list, though, he says. That's a good list. That's, That's a really list. good list. We listed all of those games we in did. our lists. <laughs> uh, we have Ro... Is it Romaine? <laughs> Roman or Nick Fallhaber at Roman, R-O-M-A-E-N. I want to say Romaine because that's funny to me. Uh, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, A Plague Tale Innocence. Awesome. Uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield and Metal Wolf Chaos are my top four games I played this year. I've come very close to picking up Sekiro multiple times because it's been on sale for yeah, the holidays. Yeah, I noticed that too. <laughs> I just haven't done it yet, but I, I kind of really want to. I just really suck at those games. Yeah. No, I hear you. I started, I, want, I wanted to pick it up too, but I didn't. Um, thanks for that, Nick. Uh, that's our That's our listener feedback. Uh, really, our listeners have great taste in games. I think For that's sure. what we can say by that. All right. Well, we'll get to the end of the show here. We'll wrap things up. And as always, we'd like to leave you with a recommendation for a well-rounded life. Clearly, we're a gaming podcast, but we want to give you one thing that we're currently into that's helping us live that balanced life. So, Josh, what is your recommendation for our dear listeners? We have the same recommendation, Kyle. We do! Justin Willman's Magic for Humans Season 2 is out on Netflix. And... I don't know how he does what he does, but man, is it impressive. <laughs> um, I know it's all a trick. I know it's all magic, but man, does that guy make me believe magic is real. Well, I mean, it is real. I mean, it real. is real. Maybe, man, does that guy make me believe magic is supernatural. <laughs> right. There you go. Yeah. Man, it is such a good show. And I think he does a really great job of, ju man, just really doing awesome tricks that make people not even know what to do when he's done with them. Yes. And They're he's just funny. In disbelief. And he is funny. And I think he does talk about in this season too, that it's really hard to do magic on television because everyone just assumes that you made a cut or you digitally did something. Yeah. And he talks about that. And I, and I think that it's kind of a bummer because as someone who loves magic, I really love magic. Um, it's sad to me that people can't just be like, just suspend your disbelief. Just go with it. It's cool. There's nothing wrong. Yeah. Be amazed. It's okay to be amazed. So, yes, Magic for Humans, Season 2 on Netflix. I recommend it. Josh recommends it. You should watch it. It's super short. It's like six episodes. They're like 25 minutes apiece. 
Uh, you can get through it real, real easy, and it's definitely worth the sit. Josh, it's been a long episode. Let's wrap things up. Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with VG, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with VG. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at boardwithvg at gmail.com. We tag all our stuff with hashtag boardwithvg, so please feel free to do the same. Let us know what you're up to. We would love to check that out. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone board with video games feed. You can find me on Google Stadia, Xbox Live, PlayStation Network, as or at Why So Serious, that's S-I-R-R-I-U-S. Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me at all of the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. Next week, we'll be discussing our top 10 games of the decade for board games with a special guest, and it's going to be great. Yeah. Awesome. And remember, everyone, (laughs) whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.